Okay, good morning. Welcome back. I hope you're well. Today is Thursday, October 21, uh, class 20 in the reading through of the life and, and teachings of Nisargadat Maharaj. Uh, it's the full moon, <laughs> and so things are kind of intense. The uh, local cat brought either three rats or the same rat three times to my front door last night for its uh, delection or uh, eating, and that uh, changed my thinking about things. <clears throat> so that's what living in the country is all about, or having a wild cat. Last time, um, we ended on some, I think, very interesting etymology, uh, looking at, starting with uh, Nisargadat's teaching <clears throat> from the page innerquest.org, Nisargadat.mg, the 200 quotes of his teaching, where last time he's talking about um, the independence <clears throat> of uh, body-mind machine, what looks like the autonomy, autonomic function of not only body but mind as well for him, where he said, quote, 72, the body-mind machine looks after it, uh, meaning uh, he wrote, or he said, I appear to see and hear as you do, <clears throat> but to me it just happens as to you digestion and perspiration happen. The body-mind machine looks after it but leaves me out of it, just as you don't need to worry about growing hair, so I need not worry about works and actions. They just happen and leave me unconcerned, for in my world, nothing ever goes wrong. And again, <clears throat> um, not only body, but mind is uh, detached so fully, is, is from which is he do, so fully detached that both mind and body, and mind includes phenomenal uh, occurrence and interaction, meaning being with people, uh, <clears throat> has now gone into the subconscious, or is not, he doesn't need to worry about mind or interaction. He is in the Tao or the flow, that's Wu Wei, non-interference, non-interruption, non-action, but it's really not, not letting the mind interfere with heaven, <laughs> as the Taoist would say. And I then looked into the etymology of the word autonomy, because we're talking about the autonomic nervous system, right, which does what it does, uh, where the heart keeps beating and the nervous system keeps pulsing and the body uh, is taking care of itself, while for him, not only body, but also mind and phenomenal display or what to us is choices and interaction with other uh, take is uh, allowed does now take care of itself for him he doesn't worry about it <clears throat> um, he's no longer um, he doesn't believe he, he doesn't experience the need to control and it's very similar to Ross saying the crystallized healer has no will the crystallized healer has no will Nisargadat as a crystallized being doesn't experience uh, self-centered willfulness that, uh, ex that imagines and thus experiences the need for choice in many cases. He's not acting by willful decision-making, but choiceless um, harmony with all, with the flow. So in 73, he said... My world is just like yours. I see, I hear, I feel, I think, I speak and act in a word I perceive, just like you. But with you it is all, with me it's almost nothing. Knowing the world to be a part of myself, right, like the Yanni who has realized the world is in the self rather than the self in the world, I pay it no more attention than you pay to the food you've eaten. While being prepared and eaten, the food is separate from you and your mind is on it, once swallowed, you become totally unconscious of it. I've eaten up the world and need not think of it anymore. <clears throat> and so, 
Uh, he doesn't need to think he's become totally, once swallowed the food, we become totally unconscious to the food. We are totally unconscious to the autonomic functions of the body. He's now unconscious to what for him is autonomic functions or functioning of mind, which includes moving through his day and being with people and doing service and, and um, you know, all that he does is now with no will, the crystallized healer having no will, like that. Now, I then did this etymology of the word uh, autonomy, or from as the root of the, you know, autonomic, of the autonomic nervous system, where for him, body-mind now, and phenomenal um, movement, through time and space in the day and interplay interaction or relationship with other is autonomic in a sense or has is now free to um, be uh, it proceeds autonomously the autonomy of body mind and relationship or relational movement and phenomena through the day all that's now uh, operating under autonomic system it, it's it, it, there is an autonomy to it, meaning it goes its own way naturally, rightly, correctly. He doesn't need to check. He doesn't need to worry about it. Uh, and I looked into the etymology of the word autonomy. It goes way back to autonomy, obviously. Auto goes back to auton, A-U-T-O-N, compound etymological root, where on the page there, uh, looking at auton, we see au and ton. Ton is the, so the auton is the, the, the au. Au ton is not auto, it's au ton, the au. The au, what's the au? Well, the root, according to Rish, not Harvey Rish, but another smart Rish, Rish derives it from ancient Greek counterparts of the words au and ton, the au. What's the owl? Oh. The owl is a back again other. And I understand that as um, the other established by turning back again. Um, again and again, a backing up. Backing again. The back again other. What is that? The back again other. Well, I think that that's how the sense of self is formed. The sense of self, which is a which is a dream, which is eighth fetter, based on ninth and tenth fetters in Buddhism, the subjectivity, <laughs> right? Uh, <clears throat> the purpose of Ramana Maharshi's teaching of aham vichara, aham vichara, is the vichara of aham of aham. Aham, translated as self, is really I. Vichara is the uh, inquiry. So aham vichara sometimes translated as self-inquiry, is really I-inquiry. Okay, So the inquiry into I discovers that the outer is of the inner. And then eventually the yani realizes his own death and goes beyond that sense of self, or what Ra calls unified self-consciousness, or the consciousness that all is one, and all that one is self, with a capital S, but the self is not a personal, it's a universal. Um, but... <laughs> Uh, it's transcended when one drops identity. As Ra said, dropping identity, going out of six density to seven, dropping memory and identity, dropping the perception of an experience of we become light. Ra said we no longer seek light, we become light. Become light equals self-realization, seems to me. Equals unified self-consciousness. Still subjective, not yet finished with subjectivity. Only leaving sixth density, only ending higher self, only going beyond uh, we become light, dropping identity. Do they then go to the absolute universal of satchit, awareness of sat, which is tatsat, which is suchness, reality, absolute reality, the such nature, thus nature of absolute reality, beyond a self, beyond self-consciousness, beyond subjectivity beyond subjective, uh, subjective, objective. So duality is resolved by the perception of unity. 
unity is completed by the ending of identity. So by uh, recognition of the many as one does uh, multiple duality get resolved into unity consciousness. Unity consciousness or unified self-consciousness or we become light or self-realization is completed in the ending by the ending of identity. The ending of identity is the realization that actually the true nature of unity is infinity. That's the boundless. That's the deathless. (laughs) So the true nature of the many is one. The true nature of the one is infinity. The nature of infinity is boundless, deathless, birthless, uncharacterizable, what Nityananda would call, uh, Nityagadat here later will call the void. Uh, Meanwhile, in the realms of light, where there is subjectivity, and thus the experience of subject-object, thus called dualistic consciousness, right? the five skandhas and the sense of self, which is only broken when uh, one leaves sixth density and drops identity, the small sense of self, the heaps of the skandhas of the conditional and relative and you know impermanent and insubstantial sense of self we have, the aham that has been made, ahamkara, the made I is not the true I. The true I is <laughs> the infinite nature of unity or freedom from identity, the universal presence that goes beyond any selfhood or two that whose nature is one. Beyond two, we get to one. Beyond one, we go to infinity. Infinity is beyond a self and a self-other dyad. It's beyond uh, birth and death. It's beyond the octave. It's parabrahman, satchit. So, satchit is tat-satchit. And yet, the aham that is made, ahamkara, ahamkaram, is um, fashioned by an autan, is, uh, is autan. Autan, as the root of auto, is the back-again other, the other of, of subjective self. <laughs> the fashioned I is other to infinite logos. The fashioned selfhood is other to infinity, its basis, its nature, and it's fashioned that otherness of the subjective sense of self, other to the logos, other to infinity, is fashioned by light turning back again and again and again to it to itself. Light turns back to itself and fashions a hum. A hum is karmed, or the karm, the karma making, the fashioning of a hum, or subjective, you know, illusory, subjective, dualistic sense of self, identity, which is useful. For evolution, but it's not essentially real, it's not substantial. The way that that's karmed or fashioned is by light turning back again, 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 back again, 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 fashioning an other to infinity. And that's the autan, is the fashioned otherness of a subjective, an illusory subjective sense of self, subjectivity, fashioned or, or established by light turning back again and again upon itself, fashioning a sense of self, making an I. That I-making has to end. And that's the Yanni experiencing his own death, and that's the raw leaving sixth density, dropping memory and identity, and that's uh, the movement from unity back to infinity. And so, <clears throat> again, duality is resolved by perception of unity, and the experience of unified selfhood, because unity is still a self. There's still a sense of self that's perceiving unity. Oh, all is one. We become light. There's an I and a, a sense of time and space becoming light and a sense of other. So there's the light and there's the me, and uh, there's the perception that, that this I has now become something that it wasn't before. No, of course not. <laughs> the I um, is a fashioning that made the whole dream. And so the movement out of the dream uh, is first proceeds by the the resolution of duality, subject-object consciousness into unity, which is self-consciousness or, you know, unified self-awareness, 
which is uh, self-realization in the Vedantic system, Advaita Vedanta system, which is a non-returner, I think, in the Buddhist system of four levels of awakening. And in Ra, it's called, it's like Atman. Atman is a non-returner. Even though it projects into lower dimensions, my body spirit complex, it's not returning. It's there in sixth density. Mm-hmm. And it leaves uh, and thereby completes its experience of unity by returning to infinity, which requires the dropping of memory and identity. And that return to infinity is uh, the return or the, re- the establishment of, of satchit, the awareness of sat, which is absolute reality, which could be called void and potential, <clears throat> but it's not an empty of something, it's an empty of, of dream, it's an empty of light. It's prior to light. So the basis of light is not light. <laughs> the basis of two is one. The basis of one is infinity. So infinity, uh, or the generation of light, turning back upon itself, fashions a hum. And that's the autan, the sense of other, the sense of self, subjective self, which is other to infinity, fashioned by light turning back again and again upon itself and believing, oh, I am an, I am an autan. The Otan, I am the Otan, the self with a capital S. But even that is dropped as one goes back to 8th density. So, <laughs> 69, not just do a little back, back movement and then go forward. 69, Nisargadat said, or was translated to have said, non-distinction speaks in silence, words carry distinctions. The unmanifested nirguna has no name. All names refer to the manifest, saguna, with guna, nirguna, without guna, without attribute. It is useless to struggle with words to express what is beyond words. However, words can help uh, the chakras. No doubt, words that that convey some awakening can facilitate self-awakening. Consciousness, chittananda, which is really (laughs) not... Uh, a right conscious, not translation of Chittananda. Chittananda is, is Sat Chittananda, which is basically bliss of awareness. So that's not the word consciousness, that's infinite awareness bliss. Is spirit, so Chittananda, the Ananda of Chit, meaning freedom, subject, freedom from subjectivity, boundless awareness, is spirit, Purush, consciousness in matter is Prakriti, uh, and that's subjectivity. Imperfect spirit is matter, perfect matter is spirit, in the beginning as in the end, all is one. Actually, beyond that, um, <laughs> one cannot speak. And so, uh, 70, Nisargadat is translated to have said, Reality, which is sat, is neither subjective nor objective, neither mind nor matter, neither time nor space meaning um, not of all that. These divisions need some body to whom to happen, a conscious separate center. It actually, the divisions need a, an autan, but the autan is anatta, meaning there's no substantial autan. It's simply an artifact of light turning back upon itself to fashion this sense of subjective, separative, um, center, centered uh, you know, agency, a localized point of agency. These divisions of reality as, well, reality is neither subjective nor objective, right? So the duality, neither mind nor matter, neither time nor space, all these polarities. These divisions need some body, or they depend upon a subjectivity, need some body to whom to happen, a conscious separate center, meaning the experience of a, of a conscious separate center. That doesn't mean it is uh, essential or, or eternal. It's just a sense of that. It's a, it's a hum. <laughs> it's a hum that's karmed. It's a fashioning. It's a samkara. That's all. So, identity is a samkara. Reality is all and nothing. The totality and the exclusion. The fullness and the emptiness. Fully consistent. Absolutely paradoxical. Meaning it is and it isn't. You cannot speak about it. You can only lose yourself in it. When you deny reality to anything, you come to a residue which cannot be denied. So, sat, which is tat sat, reality, absolute reality, truth, 
beyond subjectivity, beyond maya, beyond birth and death, beyond duality, polarity, beyond perception and consciousness, yeah, like God Thomas said, is therefore uh, not of the nature of the polarities of subject-object, inner-outer, mind or matter, meaning namarupa, meaning a thinking and uh, an apparent world of forms, nor time and space, meaning um, apparently or experientially successive experience, nor and apparently separative um, field of distinct objects, space. That's all, Those are all perceived, thus experienced, yet those perceptions are um, empty of essential... Um, they're, they're relative and born of the moment. And uh, were the doors of perception cleansed, man would see reality as it is, infinite said William Blake the adept. Right. So, and it's it's critical. <laughs> Gautama saying that uh, in nirvana, or the end of the path, uh, is the cessation of perception and subjective consciousness. Vijnana and perception are finished. There's no subjectivity, and there's no perception. That's why there's no subjectivity. There's no perception, we become light. There's no more perception of light. We become the source of light. I is the source of light. Um, that's not even a perception, I would presume, you know. That's why it's called satchit. It's just an awareness of sat, whose nature is tat. And so, awareness of sat, or reality, is beyond any kind of subject, object, sub, you know, selfhood, or localized point of agency. There's just, devo- there's just boundless presence. If you look at the movie Lucy... <laughs> when she goes back to the creation of the galaxy, you see these weird kind of <laughs> flows of dark matter, light matter, going coalescing into wormholes or something and coming out as a galaxy on the other side uh, as she activates 100% of their brain. Um, it's very trippy when you get back to the beginning where um, Lucy, in the movie Lucy, it's a, the whole movie's an hour and a half. <clears throat> but it's really a, a seriously um, uh, concentrated metaphysical teaching of cosmology. You know, you check it out, see what you think. To me, it's very valuable. And uh, on the other side, before the Big Bang, what led to the Big Bang is this sort of strange, you know, <laughs> kind of super trippy realm of um, dark matter flows liquid liquid power, liquid energy flows that come out into wormholes that come out the other side as a galaxy. This is sort of the action of free will upon love. <laughs> Looks like that. Something. Anyway, um, he said, reality, sat, is all and nothing. Meaning all that appears is sat. Meanwhile, sat is not is not ident- not merely the created. It's um, and the created is sort of a dream anyway because it depends on um, perception, and um, this um, experience of a, of a localized point of agency, a subjectivity, which itself is a fleeting experience. Its nature is dreamlike, and that's the point of meditation or or concentration, sadhana is that the mind can become so quiet uh, that one can see the arising of subjectivity. <laughs> that there's a recognition of a distinction between uh, absolute zero um, and the arising of identity. And then one realizes that identity is a fashioned sankara as well, and a dream, and it's, you know, anichanata dukkha, Identity itself, right, is anicca nata dukkha, impermanent, insubstantial, and stressful. And, and ultimately, you know, that which comes and goes. Um, it's a fashion, temporary fashion product. So reality as totality, exclusion, meaning not, also phenomenal. It's trans, it's all the nature of phenomena, and yet phenomena is dream. And so it's 
pre-phenomenal and non-phenomenal and the basis or true nature of phenomena as well. Anyway, you come to a residue which cannot be denied, that which is prior to arising, uh, to, to, to birth, to arising, persisting, passing away. All right. <laughs> um, 70... Uh, 74. Nisargadat is translated to have said, By being asleep, you mean unconscious. By being awake, you mean conscious. By dreaming, you mean conscious of your mind, but not of the surroundings, meaning physical surroundings. Well, it's the same with me. Yet there seems to be a difference. In each state, meaning asleep or, quote, awake or dreaming, in each state you forget the other two, while to me there is but one state of being, including and transcending the three mental states of waking, dreaming, and sleeping. So that's the thing, is that when you come to one, you come to nothing. Or realizing one, you realize the emptiness of the many. The emptiness of the many means there appears to be many, but actually that's an empty or kind of delusive experience perception. It, it The perception of many is seen as empty of substantiality or of any sort of abiding reality in the recognition of unity. So he's saying there's one state of being, it includes then the so-called three but it also transcends. So it including the one includes the three, or is made up of the three, or what we call a three for him is a one, but it also transcends the three, because knowing the three as one, or for him, it's really experiencing. You know, I don't quite know what that is. I'm not at that point. But where there's no longer a three... For him, it's a one uninterrupted state of consciousness um, that transcends the apparent reality of, of, of there being a three that is many. So in unity, in the experience of unity or unification, what had seemed to be many is no longer seemed to be many. It's seen that, that what we say is the reality of many is seen as the illusory perception of many. And, and therefore, to say there really is many that is one is not quite fitting. And that's where guys go into you know, negation and say there is no many, there's only the one. Meanwhile, there is a many while there's an experience or, of the many, meaning a perception of the many. We perceive a many and thus believe there's a many because we have an experience of the many because we're perceiving a many. When there's the realization or perception of the one, the so-called many as a one, whose true nature of the many as the one, um, it's easy to say there is no many. There's, and that may be extreme, but it's kind of you know natural <laughs> to say there is no many, there's only the one. Well, yeah, but there's the uh, temporary, uh, illusory, fashion, perception, experience of many that one may have. Um, that whole thing is only wiped away after one leaves the, the one, after <laughs> the being leaves the experience of unity, like in six density, and goes to seven and drops memory identity. When there's no memory... There's no experience, there's no perception that, oh, what I used to think was the many, now I see as the one. Oh, I can experience uh, a many, and I can experience the reality that that many is one. That's actually related to memory. And that falls away. And then you really can say, there's no many, there's no one. Mm, there's no one. There's no one, because one... The experience of one or perception of one depends on a prior or, a, or an intrinsic experience of many. 
So leaving memory and identity, the Yanni realizing his own death, or the end, the <laughs> saying goodbye to non-returning, <laughs> saying goodbye to Atman, and hello, Logos. Goodbye, Logo. Goodbye, Atman. Hello, Logos. Um, leaves both the, the perception of the many as well as the experience of the true nature of the many being one. Both. And that then go into infinity, leap into the boundless, make it your home. You know, then you go to Satchit. And it's a whole other game at that point. So you can say there's a many, you can say the nature of the many is a one. But uh, eventually, both of those statements are seen as empty, or those experiences are not even experienced anymore. <laughs> when there's no arising of perception and subjectivity, I mean, we can't really talk about it. And that's what he's saying, that you know, words don't, don't capture what's beyond duality and unity. 75. Let's see what the time is here. 75. On realization, pleasure and pain lost their sway over me. I was free from desire and fear. I found myself full, needing nothing. I saw that in the ocean of pure awareness, which is such it, on the surface of universal consciousness, the numberless waves of the phenomenal world arise and subside, beginninglessly and endlessly. As consciousness, they are all me. As events, they are all mine. There is a mysterious power that looks after them. Sounds just like <laughs> Chong Tzu and Lao Tzu. That power is awareness. Self, capital S, life, capital L, God, capital G, whatever name you give it. It is the foundation, the ultimate support of all that is, just like gold is the basis of all jewels. Be free of Namarupa, name and form, and only the void Sunya remains. But the void is full to the brim. It is the eternal potential, as consciousness is the eternal actual. So, at realization, whether it's self-realization or the realization of the Yanis on death, probably it's the first level self-realization, pleasure and pain lost their sway over him, <coughs> breaking, <coughs> breaking lots of fetters free from desire and fear, found myself full, needing nothing. And um, any kind of contact with intelligent infinity experience it gives that sense of fullness, needing nothing. Um, Ra's phrase of higher self awareness experience being complete and whole and perfect. Complete, not broken, whole, unified or one, not broken, not many. And perfect, meaning not imperfect, meaning not in need of any improvement or working or anything further. No need. Needless. He's so needless. Not heedless. Needless. Needless is desireless. And desireless is considered, you know, associated with the highest state, although it's not quite true. <laughs> because the Logos obviously has some desires. And we'll have to be looking into that again later if you listen to my talk yesterday on... Uh, uh, whatever it was. <clears throat> uh, I'm not in that mind of uh, auditing the Logos, but uh, I, I, I'm on the Logoic audit team, the team that's auditing the Logos. The Logos has a problem with its third chakra. The Logos has third chakra blockage. And um, that's a strange matter, actually. Uh, in any case, uh, this experience um, of wholeness is perfect, complete and whole, perfect, because um, th there's just, I don't know why, maybe. <laughs> it just is. Uh, and there's a sense of, I don't need anything more. I'm ready to die. Um, it's like a supreme happiness. There's no sense that I want anything more from here. What else do I want? I'm ready to leave. Like that. So free from desire because there's a sense that nothing more is needed. Free from fear because there's a sense of perfect security. Perfect security. That, that's a very, that, that we don't have that here in this body, by the way. It's not, 
it's very rare <laughs> to ever feel perfect security. I mean, we can feel strong security. That's rare too. But perfect security is some sense of complete invulnerability. The body itself feel uh, triggers in in mind uh, the very elemental or, or very instinctual levels, lower levels of personal mind, a sense of vulnerability because the body, like a little creature, the body is a little creature, and uh, doesn't want to be die, doesn't want to die, doesn't want to be smashed or hurt. So uh, that impinges on any kind of experience of could be perfect security and invulnerability. Um, but in higher dimensions, there's that, and the higher one goes, or the greater expansion of awareness, the more this perfect security or safety. So freedom from fear. So freedom from desire and fear. That's experience of complete freedom from lower triad blockage. He needs nothing. He saw that in the ocean of pure awareness, right? The boundless leap into the boundless. What is the boundless? Well, it's it's um, infinite. Um, Tatsat, Tatsat, or uh, Tatsat as um, thusness, absolute reality. You know, like he's saying, beyond, before it's before light, <laughs> before name and form, before consciousness or subjectivity. Um, it's awareness, it's intelligent infinity, right? Back to Ra. Intelligent infinity, the one infinite creator, is infinite intelligence, but it's that's infinite awareness with infinite power and we could call, say, infinite love that can make infinite light, in that, that ocean of pure awareness um, as a surface of universal consciousness. Is he making a distinction there between the ocean of pure awareness and the surface of universal consciousness? I don't know. But um, actually I think he's saying that in the ocean of pure awareness or in a quite thoroughly transpersonal experience, so-called, of uh, Tatsat reality, um, he can then perceive that on the surface of that, in some, you know, on, on a portion of that, or what appears to be a surface or a superficial uh, layer, there are numberless waves of phenomenality, phenomenal occurrence, appearance, and falling away. Numberless waves of phenomena <clears throat> arise, subside, beginninglessly and endlessly. It's a nice phrase. Beginninglessly and endlessly. You know, the logos or what? One infinite creator, intelligent infinity, was, is, always shall be. Beginninglessly and endlessly. I guess that's a problem for some. <laughs> Losing that is a problem and thus makes a third chakra blockage that leads to a problem with their density. Could be. As conscious, you know, <laughs> the logos is mourning, is in a grieving. <laughs> the octaves are a portion of logoic grieving, its departure from intelligent infinity. Oh, <laughs> the the purpose of the octaves is the lo- is uh, resolving logoic grieving from its extraordinarily subtle experience of loss of intelligent infinity. Saith I. Maybe. I don't know. Could be. We'll see. As consciousness, they're all me. Um, but, you know, I, don't, I, I think it's dangerous to use words like me, me and mine. <laughs> but, you know, he does his own thing. So as consciousness, he says they're all me, meaning this I is one. But it's not Nisargadatta, me. As events, they're all mine, I. You know, this just goes easily to spiritual inflation. That's the problem. But, you know, some guys like he may well be so free that they use words that others of lesser attainment would, um, uh, would get trapped into spiritual inflation thereby or use as we can see as an indication of their covert spiritual inflation meaning uh, the monstrous ego of I am the one light and sun and follow me, you know, you know the monstrous cult leader types. As unfortunately it seems Dafri John, uh, Baba Fri John, fell into at the end where he's capitalizing every other word in the book. So spiritual inflation is no good, but intelligent infinity is quite 
um, you know, magnificent. But to say me and mine for mere mortals <laughs> or not in eighth density uh, is a problem. And Atman probably doesn't even talk about me and mine. But anyway, he's free, freer than me. As consciousness, they're all me. As events, they're all mine. There's a mysterious power that looks after them. That is like straight Changsu or Lao Tzu. The power is awareness. So, so the Tao supports all things, right? That's the power that looks after, the, the Tao looks after all 10,000 things, heaven and earth, of course. The Tao is an infinite power. It is an infinite awareness. It can be called self with a capital S, but I think that's, it's not useful. I would call it life, yes. God, yes. Paraparaman, yes. Paramatman, yes. Whatever name you give it, names are not important. But there is something beyond things. It is a foundation, ultimate support of all that is intelligent infinity. Just like gold, the basis of all jewels. Be free of name and form, namarupa. Be free of name, you know, the problem with name and form is that it's subjectivity, you know, uh, subjectivity establishes uh, objectivity, meaning uh, subjectivity establishes t- uh, time and space. Time and space are, sub- are established by subjectivity, and, estab- and subjectivity is established as the oton. Subjectivity is the oton, the au, the au, ton au, auto, oton, the au, the au is subjectivity. The Aum. And that's, the, you know, Aum. Aum. It maybe is one way of resolving subjectivity, going beyond subjectivity, returning to, you know, the, the non-personal source, transpersonal, beyond name and form. The Aum, or Auton, as the Aum. The light turning back upon itself, creating an otherness, which is subjectivity. Subjectivity as otherness to infinity. How about that for a weird statement? <clears throat> um, you know, this stuff really tweaks one's brain. I, I must say my brain is not the same as it has been, um, especially with the full moon. <laughs> I, I think there's some danger here, you know, the dan- to me at least, maybe. The danger of, like, frying my noddies. So if my head explodes, uh, you'll know why, because... Um, Third density brain must be refitted to handle the voltage associated with uh, extended discussion of the the deathless. So, I'm not saying I'm finished at all, but um, I can see one's brain um, is changed by the circulation of prana in the nadis associated with uh, this type of uh, contemplation, discussion, you know, uh, meditations on infinity, meditations on the transit from infinity to subjectivity. Wow. So most people are not into that. <laughs> Fortunately. So, but ignorance is not really bliss, actually. Ignorance is dukkha. Meanwhile, uh, it's logoic dukkha. I mean, the logos wants dukkha, you know course. That's why there's light. (laughs) There wouldn't be dukkha if there wasn't light. And there wouldn't be subjectivity if there wasn't light. And it's all done by the logos uh, for for various reasons. Okay. Let me not spin out too far. So, um, be named, be free of namarupa, name and form. Only the void, which is, you know, not a bad translation of sunya also, <clears throat> people would translate sunya, shunyata, as emptiness. That's fine. You can also translate it as void. Void is also plenum, as my friend Mark Cummings would say. Plenum, P-L-E-N-U-M, Greek, for, you know, the plenitude, the plenum. The, the, the Gnostics also had that sense. The void is the plenum. It's not empty. It's full. Full of what? He said the void is full to the brim. Right. Full. Full of intelligent energy. Full of well, it's the source of intelligent energy. The void is full of potential. The potential of what? The potential of creating light <laughs> that called that that creates galaxies and creates therefore dimensions and creates 
you know, subjectivity and uh, the realm of uh, apparent external objects called uh, Ruba. So, subjectivity and the realm of things, Nama Rupa, is um, easily generated by the void because it ain't empty, it's actually full of power. And so he said the eternal, it's the eternal potential. So, um, void, which is full like a plenum, um, which is empty of attribute, but um, boundlessly and infinitely full of power to do and make light, which then is of life, it's a power of life, life power, God power, you know, logoic power is God power, is life giving, life making. Let there be light is let there be the light of, uh, as a portion of uh, its infinite life. So that's eternal potential, just as he would say, he's saying here, consciousness is the eternal actual. So consciousness as actual to the void as potential. 76. You may not be quite conscious of your physiological functions, but when it comes to thoughts and feelings, desires and fears, you become acutely self-conscious. To me, these two are largely unconscious. Uh, Just like he said before, um, mind functioning is now autonomous or is an, is now an auton- autonomic functioning mind mind is now autonomically functioning just as body is autonomically functioning for him to me these two are largely unconscious meaning thoughts and feelings desires and fears i find myself talking to people or doing things quite correctly and appropriately without being conscious of them it looks as if i live my physical waking life automatically right auto reacting spontaneously and accurately. Actually, he doesn't even know if it's accurate. It just is, and it's, there's a certain perfection to it. Is there? I don't know. <laughs> he's not me, so he's more developed. But um, <clears throat> it's interesting, you know, Nichinando never talked this way. And <clears throat> you can say, I can say, well, Nichinando was in a different, had a different life function. He was not working in the wisdom, you know, working on fifth ray, sixth ray integration, or it seems like Nisargadat, his mode of service is very much uh, working on fifth ray to integrate five and six, because he's coming from awareness of unity and emptiness and, you know, freedom. His freedom is of sixth ray, eighth ray, you know, sixth dimension, eighth dimension, that kind of thing. Six, eight, <clears throat> and uh, talking heavily through uh, to the to the minds of devotees and people coming by, Nichananda just did magic <laughs> and uh, just did you know um, Mani Padme, <laughs> just did uh, uh, Mani Pad. <laughs> His service was wish fulfilling jewel twenty four seven to all the people who came. <clears throat> and spoke a bit of uh, ultimate matters in Chittakash, what became Chittakash Gita. Um, I wouldn't talk about himself this much. <laughs> Nisargadat, usefully, you, you can say Nisargadat is not as well-developed as Nityananda. Okay, some people may be offended by that. You can also say that he had a different function. So who the hell knows who's more developed? But he certainly had a different function. And that's where he's kind of on the bridge, transiting, helping the... Students transit from deluded I to awakened um, transpersonality, awakened um, Satchit. And so, uh, for him, it's again um, autonomic, autonomicity. That's a strange word. Autonomicity. The quality of a system that's autonomic, that's functioning autonomically by itself automatically automatically functioning autonomically functioning now for him is mind and body not just body <clears throat> and so he's living his physical life automatically 
reacting. And, and again, to say spontaneously and accurately, quite correctly and appropriately, who knows? Maybe he can say, I couldn't say, but it is without, there's no blockage, it seems. And so it's just flowing naturally. And that's, again, the crystallized healer have no will. And, um, you know, God is the doer. That's the view. God is the doer because uh, the true nature of the self with the capital S is God. Self is the one. This one here is the one. Um, and I don't mean that of Scott. I'm just saying that's the view of, of true nature beyond identity. <laughs> beyond identity, which is a term for fashioned identity. So there's the, you know, there's aham and then there's ahamkar. Uh, you can say that true nature is a hum, um, oh, ow. Uh, true nature is uh, not fashioned. Identity is fashioned. That's why Rod drops identity. That's why the Yanni realizes his own death. It's not his own death. It's the death of the uh, presumed identity which was fashioned, which was the identity we become light or all is one or there's no inner outer, it's all one. All the many is one. That's a fashioned identity too. <clears throat> the end of fashioning is the end of perception. So perception is finished, samskara is finished. Why didn't Gautama say samskara is finished? The, the, this non-arising of perception, sankara, and consciousness. Why didn't he say that? He said just the non-arising, the cessation of perception and consciousness, meaning subjectivity and perception. Third and fifth skandhas, why didn't he say four? Mm, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe because uh, fourth skanda sankara, the fashioning function itself, the making, the karm of aham, the making function, compositing, fabricating, fermenting, as Tanisara would say, um, it simply is uh, taken offline with the end of perception. You, you can't do sankara when there's non-arising of perception. And why didn't he say the end of subjectivity? Well, can there be subjectivity... Without perception? I don't think so. But uh, maybe he just wanted to emphasize that um, Vijnana is finished too. Don't think that Vijnana is ultimate. In terms of awareness, the, I think the Advaita Vedanta got it right when they say Satchit, <clears throat> which is the same as Tat-Sat-Sat-Tat-Sat-Jit. All right, 77. The tremendously complex work going on all the time in your brain and body, are you conscious of it? Not at all. Yet for an outsider, all seems to be going on intelligently and purposefully. Why not admit that one's entire personal life may sink largely below the threshold of consciousness and yet proceed safely and smoothly? When self-control becomes second nature, awareness shifts its focus to deeper levels of existence and action. You agree to be guided from within and life becomes a journey into the unknown. This is a very heavy quote here. Um, let's see something. Uh, so, yeah, there is tremendously complex work going on all the time in brain and body. We're not conscious of it at all. <laughs> we're conscious of nearly nothing. We're nearly fully unconscious, right? For sure. And that that's, you know, the definition of the fool. The fool is the one who thinks that he or she is profoundly knowledgeable, is an expert. <laughs> Only 3D distorted humans would think, I'm an expert, actually. <laughs> because what we don't know is uh, magnitudes <laughs> greater than what we do know. He said, yet for an outsider, so from the outside, everything seems to be going on intelligently, purposefully, safely. And so then the question... <laughs> Why not admit that one's entire personal life, meaning mind and body and interactions, like him saying that it's all uh, carried on without consciousness, why not admit that one's entire personal life of mind, body, and social and interpersonal may well, may safely be allowed to sink largely below the threshold of consciousness and yet still be proceeding safely and smoothly? Why not admit that? That, that's a dropping of control. And so then he said, when self-control becomes second nature, this is not quite the normal self-control of uh, stopping 
and restraining or, you know, suppressing or avoiding, denying defense mechanisms, self-control, you know, self-control as blockage of heart chakra, heart chakra as unconditional acceptance, the opposite of acceptance being control. And so heart chakra blockage equal controlling. And he's saying when what heart chakra blockage becomes second nature? No, this is a translation of a certain, you know, Marathi phrase that came out as self-control. It's basically what? Self-discipline. It's regulation of mind-body. It's ordered, rightly ordered mind-body and life. Rightly ordered um, life expression. Uh, when one, the, the, the Changsu talking about um, knowing and being living in accord with one's fate and destiny, uh, doing one's danda, doing one's duty, as, as Nichinanda would say, it, it includes that. <laughs> it's not the self-control of shut it down, just stop, don't, 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 no, no, no. Not like that at all. Because those are heart chakra blockage. <laughs> and I don't think that he means heart chakra blockage becomes second nature. It's um, um, woo way, <laughs> completely authentic, the, the, the completely authentic natural ordering or ordered, orderly ordered condition of mind body and life expression and relationship, which includes knowing where, what, what one must do, what rightly is one's responsibility, what rightly is duty and obligation, what rightly is not, what rightly is fulfillment of duty, obligation, Danda, do your danda, do your dharma. What is one's piece of work to do? What is not? Um, and and a, a very profound freedom from uh, lust and aggression, from grasping aversion, ignorance. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of freedom from lower triad blockage, really, in this phrase, self control. So I, I'm not sure that what that is because I'm not fully cleared in uh, one through four or something, one through three. Uh, but I don't think he means uh, controlling mind-body is complete because uh, it's an ordering coming by effort and discipline that returns to authenticity that is not out of harmony with true nature. When that becomes second nature, I'd say, when that becomes, uh, when one is, one is that way, I mean, maybe that's self-realization, right? So self-control is self-realization. Eh? So I don't know if self-control becomes second nature, or I'm not sure uh, how to fully, perfectly translate, or, you know, understand what that phrase means. But it's certainly uh, mind, body, and life expression in toto returns to full uh, authenticity, and its own natural orderedness or orderliness, uh, where one would do, one is fully in ahimsa. Actually, there's no uh, harmful vasanas and behaviors or thought, word, and deed. Thought, word, and deed is purified of any kind of, you know, akusala dhamma or unwholesome tendency or um, karmic, uh, karmically, uh, karmically binding vasana tendency. Then, when that's second nature, then awareness shifts to focus to deeper level of existence and action. And one is then operating uh, on, in two worlds or in space-time and time-space simultaneously. Uh, that's not <laughs> fully... I don't know what that is exactly. You agree to be guided from within, life becomes a journey into the unknown, which is a very mild way of putting it, because it's quite a profound attainment. Uh, one um, one space-time expression becomes significantly um, integrated with time-space. The veil in mind has become very sheer again, I'd presume. I mean, these guys can do magic, okay? And they don't do it, they're not doing it because of technique. 
they're doing it because of uh, moksha. By by complete real moksha, you know, real moksha means out of the octave, means uh, nirvana with remainder in the body, but the mind or the awareness is of satchit, and um, one is approaching, <laughs> or one is in omnipotence. I mean, like Nityananda, okay? That's not me at all. Maybe that's the same as Nisargadat, maybe not, I don't know. But at that point, it's a whole new... They're just not, you know, they're very not human, even though they, they there's a human body there that does human function. Uh, and then the whole personal life, he said, may sink largely below the threshold of consciousness. You don't have to worry about it, yet proceed safely and smoothly. Uh, trust in God <laughs> is a pale shadow of that, um, a one way of expressing it. Trust in God. Um, at that point, they're trusting, they don't need to, the self and God are one, or awareness is such it, and um, um, there's this natural, completely um, beyond volitionality. The, the, the crystallized healer has no will, right? There's just thy, thy will be done. Thy will is being done, nothing else. Logoic will operates through those of completed attainment. And so then, yeah, sure, everything's safe and smooth. So that's quite an attainment. Then, let's see. Uh, so we'll end on 78. Gadot said, It's all a matter of focus. Your mind is focused in the world. Mine is focused in sat, in reality. It's like the moon in daylight. When the sun shines, the moon is hardly visible. And so, in the moon in daylight remains. But because the sun shines, because our mind, human mind, dualistic, those un- not fully enlightened beings like us, are focused in the world outwardly, we think I am here and the world's out there. His mind or attention focused in reality, in sat. Um, is like the perception awareness of moon during Sunday, during <laughs> Sunday, during the days of sun, sunlight. The moon is hardly visible to us because we're very focused um, in what in you know the shadows on the cave wall. We don't know there's shadows on the cave wall. We don't know there's a fire burning, like you know Plato's cave analogy. Uh, we don't. We 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 believe. Um, what we see and hear and taste and smell, smell and touch and all that. Um, meanwhile, the Yanni knows them as shadow, cat, shadows on the cave wall and sees the light, fire, fire, light, life basis, the life of light, fire, the living fire basis of the light or light that creates then later shadows on the wall that is all we see. Knowing the the fire, life, light that creates those shadows, the yani, you know, Nisargadat knows that they are shadows, that they're not substantial, they're impermanent, they're illusory, they're dreamlike, they're not living in a material universe, you're dancing thoughts. Um, The thinker is the logos, and the dancing is um, light intelligent energy that is vibratory, that is polarized. It's polar. It's vibrating because it's polarized, and it's polarized by design. Um, if it wasn't polarized, it wouldn't exist. It wouldn't be phenomenal. There's no phenomenality without polarity, without movement. Without movement, or without, without polarity, there's no movement. If you want movement and the appearance of time and space, you've got to make polarity. That makes vibration, that makes time and space. <clears throat> but before that, there's a source of it. And knowing the source of it, like Nisargadat here, he's saying his mind is focused in reality, which is the source of polarity, the source of light, the source of vibration, the source of apparent change in time and space, the source of namarupa. Uh, and, and, you know, meditation or spiritual work is the establishing of the foundation of inward focus. Establishing the foundation of inward focus. Establishing the foundation of inward focus leads to the capacity to see sat, and that's such it. And that's 
um, seeing not only shadows on the cave wall or not only the perturbations of light called associated with Namarupa, but its source. Um, and that's the end of the line. And that's the end of today's class. And so, that's heavy stuff. In any case, I will massage my brain uh, or my scalp. And um, I hope you're all well. Take care of yourself. Don't worry about me. <laughs> Take care of yourself. Don't worry about me. And um, day by day, it'll all get clearer. So anyway, I hope you're well. Next time we'll carry on and start from uh, 79. Um, please take good care of yourselves. See you next time. And good night.